and welcome to the first and premier edition of the MarPro podcast, where we discuss all things marketing procurement. I'm one of your co-hosts, Dana Small, a marketing procurement professional by trade. You may know me from my blogs at miscategorymanagement.com. I'm joined by my co-host and marketing maven, Mr. Rusty Pepper, which you may already know him from the Wide Marketing Podcast. So, Rusty, how's it going? First podcast, you ready? I cannot be more excited. Seriously, this has been a long time coming. We've had yes, lots yes. of back and forth behind the scenes that people will never know about, the conversations, the frustrations of getting a podcast. Launch. The battles. <laughs> yeah, you know, yeah. The battles over logos and good things. Design schemes, intro music, all that good stuff. And it's fortuitous because marketing, procurement, disagreeing, battling, sometimes there was like quite a gap, but over time, we found a way to bridge it and get this podcast going, which I think is really going to be great for the audience. Yes, I'm definitely excited. So it's our first episode, and let's talk with our first guest, Ms. Kaylee Wilson from Sagenta. Today, we're going to discuss with her just her perspective on bridging the gap between marketing procurement and building relationship with suppliers. So Kaylee, welcome to the MarPro Podcast. Hey, everyone. I'm really excited to be on today as well. This is my first podcast, so a lot of firsts today. But yeah, my name is Kaylee Wilson. I'm currently in Raleigh, North Carolina from the Michigan area. So really excited to be joining you guys today to talk a little bit more about marketing procurement. Awesome. So go green or go blue? You're Michigan, go right? Go green. Go green. Go green. Okay. Michigan go green. State girl. Yes. <laughs> go green. Yes. Had I had to ask. Green. Had to ask. It's a big uh, difference, right? I'm, I'm from the Midwest, so I get it. A huge difference. So, <laughs> Awesome. So why don't you give us a little bit of background about you and your story career of how you got into marketing procurement? Yeah, awesome. I'd love to. So speaking of Go Green, I remember back to when I first went to college, actually, I was thinking about this earlier when you had asked the question and I was thinking through it. And I was like, you know what? A lot of life is just these little thin threads, right? Like where we end up is just based on very little things that kind of get you there. So for me, when I was going to Michigan State, I was just excited to go to Michigan State. I, I didn't really know what I wanted to study, but I remember I was really into interior decorating and designing at the time. I thought it was my house would not reflect that at the moment. But so I was like, yeah, I want to do interior design. And I remember the the lady that was doing the tours that day said, oh, we don't have that major here. And I was like, oh, and just this, I switched. I was like, oh, forget that. I'm not doing that anymore. I want to be at Michigan State. And so I was like, what do I want to do? And I was like, I've always wanted to one day own my own business. And I was like, I'll do business. <laughs> like, that makes sense. And then there's a long path kind of of how I chose. There's five majors within our business college. And I ended up going supply chain. And then through that, just conversations. I was like, supply chain's great because I'm always trying to do A to C. Forget B, like, let's just get there the fastest. I'm always trying to save money, be more efficient. So that's just kind of how I ended up in this realm. And then procurement just fell into my lap through different internships I had in the procurement space. And I started off my career in procurement consulting. So I absolutely love that. It gave me a really broad just understanding about procurement in general. I learned the in depth about procurement. I had the opportunity to work with just subject matter experts in all different categories. And we've worked across industries and it was just a really intense deep dive into procurement. So I did that for a handful of years. And then again, another thin thread, a marketing procurement position opened. And I was like, Hey, marketing sounds awesome. I love the creative aspect of it. I think this would be a good category to deep dive into and that's how I'm here today. So I've now, I've been in marketing procurement for going on three years. So I haven't been in that, this kind of specific role that long, but I've really enjoyed it. I love the creative aspect of it. So it's been a, it's been a fun ride. It's been a good roller coaster that I've been on in terms of marketing procurement. 
Yeah. And you start off on the software side uh, when you got into marketing procurement with that yeah. Red Hat. Yeah, absolutely. What was that like? Now that you're at Syngenta, which is not software specifically, yeah. how did that help prepare you for your current role? It helps in, I think, a lot of ways. One, like I said, it was my first kind of immersement into marketing procurement. But for me, it was just, I think the biggest thing is just being able to always be a, learn, a lifelong learner. So I was just excited to learn more about what Red Hat was doing in that space. And it, it took a lot of just listening to the stakeholders, learning more about their space, but it's very, it's fast paced. You're constantly go. So I did, and you're right, there was a lot of software involved. So a lot of marketing kind of software IT in that space. I just soaked that all in. And I think the coolest thing about switching industries has been learning about the nuances and the different types of marketing and really just learn that every marketing organization is vastly different. So you've just got to, anytime you move to a new company or a new position, you've just got to be ready to continue to learn because they're not all the same. There's a lot of differences. There are some similarities for sure, but a lot of differences as well. So learned a lot from that, the fast paced environment. We had some incredible marketers at Red Hat that I got to learn from, which was a really great kind of kickstart to my marketing procurement career. Do you find that having that IT background super helpful with MarTech and everything going on and marketing procurement, like you almost need to have a little bit of IT either help or I guess you have the background for it, which is super advantageous, right? Yeah. Yeah, no, for sure. And honestly, one thing I appreciated about being in that space was learning like in IT is great, but I appreciated marketing procurement even more because I was like being an IT category manager. Oh my goodness. like kudos to them because that every category is so different, but that one is just ever changing and just the complexities of learning all the scopes and specs of all the IT and trying to figure out how they all integrate. It's really, it's truly a puzzle. It's like spaghetti. You're trying to figure out how it's all working together. So I I did enjoy that, but I was also like, I I appreciate that I've got other other things within this space, not just IT focused because um, those category managers have a lot to deal with. And honestly, that's something that I've found in this marketing procurement space is what what does go to IT category managers and then what does fall under marketing. And that's been interesting to see too, even at Red Hat, differentiating what falls where, and then now moving over into the agriculture space at Syngenta, it's even different. And so I, I love and I appreciate my IT category manager colleagues for sure. So do you typically take over some of the MarTech stuff or do you pass it off? Like I know certain projects for me, at least that are very IT focused versus having that marketing thread, I will pass them over. I'm like, I'm more than, I'm like, I'm more than happy to give IT people the IT stuff. IT suppliers, I'm not a huge fan of because they're really (laughs) tough to deal with. But yeah, do you find like sometimes you just join forces or do you find sometimes you just want to pass it off or what's your approach or do you guys have the process to it? No, that's a great question. We, I guess in my current role, it's more so a pass off. Like we'll collaborate a little bit together. I I always want to know what's going on in those spaces. So even if I pass it off, I'm like, Hey, keep me in the loop. Let me get the final agreement. Let me make sure I know what's going on because I want to know everything that's going on within the marketing space. But I do find that they've got the, they've got the right language. They've got all the negotiating power. They just have all that knowledge. And it's, it truly is, in my opinion, a whole different kind of skill set to learn and marketing in and of itself is a puzzle too. So just being able to be able to pass some of that over the fence to them, but at the end of the day, being familiar with what the end negotiation was, what we have access to, because 
for me in marketing, I want to, as a procurement category manager, I want to be the umbrella over all of marketing. Syngenta, actually most companies I've worked for, they have a lot of different marketing groups going on. And I want to be able to let them know, hey, you're looking for this type of service or help in the space or whatever it might be. Did you know that we're actually using this over here? So I think it would be a disservice if I didn't at least know what was going on, but to be able to utilize them for the actual digging in and negotiating and building out that contract to make sure that we're protected and have all the language in place, it's been, that's been incredible. And that's something that at both um, Red Hat and Syngenta have been able to, to do. But Red Hat, it was more so at the beginning, it was all within marketing. But as I built out those relationships a bit more, we started to realize, hey, there's a lot going on in the marketing space. It might not be best to manage all things. Let's take advantage of our colleagues and split that out where needed. So speaking about digital and uh, marketing, Interestingly enough, in our conversation in the agriculture industry, you guys aren't a truly like moving towards everything all digital. You explained to me how it really is traditional media rules the roost. Do you want to tell us a little bit more about that? Because to me, it's coming from my side where everything's moving. If we could go all digital, we would. It's interesting to hear that there is still a ton of traditional media being focused on elsewhere. Yeah, absolutely. I think digital is absolutely the push. I wouldn't say that's different anywhere, but to completely eliminate all traditional, I don't, especially in this space, but I think in a lot of industries, I love to connect with other marketing procurement colleagues in other industries. And I, I hear the same thing elsewhere. Like you can't, there's a lot of value in having traditional marketing, especially in the agriculture space. Yeah. Like promotional goods, they Farmers love to wear their baseball caps. That's never going to go away. And it's just a great way to be able to do branding. They love physical. They love to be able to read a magazine, pick up a catalog, see things in their hands. And I don't think that's something that's just going to disappear. Radio is still very much a huge thing in that space. So a lot more of that traditional type marketing, I don't really see it going away. I see there, of course, needing to be evolution and shifting to more digital, but without kind of completely eliminating the print space or more traditional types of marketing for sure. Because you can also hyper-personalize those touch points. When you look at traditional marketing, crappy traditional marketing can go away. Oh yeah. But the good one is what really matters. If you're, if it's good, it's still very relevant. Oh, for sure. And those touch points are so important. And what's interesting to me too, is even through COVID, the whole virtual event space and events, both both of those companies were huge on in-person events and building that culture and having that environment. Sometimes that culture trumps strategy all day. So being able to have that environment and have people actually face-to-face, I don't, obviously last year it, it fell back, but I see us bouncing back into that. And with that comes promotional goods and print boards and things like that. So a lot of that more in-person traditional, I don't think it, I think it'll shift and evolve, but I don't think it's ever going to fully go away, at least not in some of these um, different industries like we're talking about here. Yeah, from my perspective in pharma, it's interesting because we're trying to go all digital, right? Um, We've got these books, physician deaths reference that are huge books on all the drugs and encyclopedias and things. And we're trying to get everything online. And so from my perspective, God, if we can do this, I'm assuming in other industries, we're going to do the same thing. But to hear, Uh, nope, pharma needs his hat. (laughs) Uh, It really can bring that back home. And to see, we know there's been a shift that digital for the first time is more, there's more spend there than traditional. Traditional, but yeah. I think this really speaks to why traditional is still going around. And to Rusty's point too, you have these personalized touch points that maybe you can't do as well in digital. I don't know. What's your thoughts on that, Rusty? 
Personally, I'm a big fan of hyper-personalized outreach, whether that's online or offline. I mean, take Omnichannel, for instance, is if I'm searching for a pet product online, everywhere I go after I do that, my intent information is out there and a bunch of digital ads are going to be served up to me. And then maybe a few days later, I'm going to get some direct mail from a couple of different providers that are going to provide a call to action, whether it's a coupon or discount code to drive me either to their bricks and mortar uh, retail location or online to complete that purchase. So definitely there's going to be exciting times ahead. Now, let's talk about where you sit within the organization. Now, obviously, you're marketing procurement, so you're procurement function, but where do you sit? Do you sit with the marketing team at Syngenta, or do you sit with the procurement and then you just meet with marketing? I love that question because I sit inside of procurement. So indirect procurement, we actually don't even flow up. And this is not just a Syngenta specific. I've had this at the past few companies and even some of the groups that we did consulting for in my pr- first career, first role out of college, but we're, we don't even flow up to the same leadership in a lot of cases. So I think that sometimes that adds a really interesting dynamic when you're not part of the marketing team. But for me, I've I've never, I've tried not to look at it like that because for me, not to be corny or anything, but it's all about relationships and building that trust in anything. But especially when you're working with marketers who are passionate, they're creative, they know what they're doing. They love their space and they love their ability to create and be free and and do all the different things that they want to do. It's more creative. So for me, it's been a lot about, yes, I I under this line of management and I'm in indirect procurement, but I want to be integrated. I want to be part of your team. So anytime I've transitioned into a new role, I've really slowed down to try to speed up and really worked to build those relationships. And sometimes I think it's about listening to understand and not always to reply. So like at the beginning, I'm like, I don't want to come in and tell you, this is how you need to do X, Y, and Z, because you know what you're doing. I just want to be able to help get you there and help bring value to what you're doing and really partner. So regardless of who my reporting structure is, I think a lot of times that's what I get a little bit frustrated about corporate is we're all working for the same company. At the end of the day, we all want the same thing, a paycheck and to be successful in our space. And we've got overall, our companies wanting to thrive and survive and, and excel. But then we're, we have different kind of year-end reports and year-end kind of KPIs that we're all working towards and they don't always align. So because of that, it pulls us, it misaligns us. And so for me, it's been a lot of times about how do I figure out what your goals are and how I can align with what you have and then tie that into, I can work with my leadership. I can work on my, my end of your performance and show the value, kind of value beyond savings, all those different things that kind of come with my role. But it's been, how do I integrate and how do you feel like I am part of your team and a true partnership, not just, oh, here's procurement. We need to go through them for to make sure we're following policy or whatever it might be. In some of my positions, I think it was back at Amgen, we actually tried to align our goals with some of the marketing goals. So they felt like we're really trying to get that a stake in the game and get you guys to have the best ROI, to have the best creative, to have the best thing. Have you seen that in your career? I'm working on it. <laughs> yeah, I think it's I think it's an ongoing thing and an ongoing conversation. And like I said before, I, I kind of network a lot with some marketing procurement in other industries. And we've got this little group that we work on together. And it's not like you're saying now, we all have the same kind of challenges that we face. I was reading this book, Buying Less for Less, and it's about marketing procurement. So if you guys haven't, I don't know if you guys have read that before, but a colleague of mine recommended it. It's a really awesome book. And it really talks about 
aligning on what those missions are and what those goals are. And sometimes it's not even, I think, changing what your different objectives are for the year, but just rewording it. Savings is not a fun word <laughs> to bring to the table with marketing. They That scares them. They Savings is just, you're going to cut my budgets. Like we're gonna... going cheap on us. That's what it means. You're going to give me exactly. a supplier that doesn't believe in what we're doing and they're going to make it more difficult for us. Exactly. And I read this analogy actually in this book, but it's like, who looks at the price of copper per pound and decides to go with that because it's cheaper than the price of price per pound of silver. Like it's a different value. So we really have to look at the value and what that value is bringing versus the cost. And I think when you come in with the word savings, like that's just scary. And it's, you're just going to come in and cut costs. And that's where having a procurement organization versus a strategic sourcing organization and be, making sure that you are communicating the right thing is Maybe you're not really at the end of the day doing anything different, but you're communicating it in a different way to really be able to build those partnerships and that trust to be able to come to the end goals of, yeah, we need to cut costs. We need to make sure that we're getting fair market value, that we're getting the best return. But let's not say savings. Let's say return on investments. Let's say value beyond savings. And there's so much that procurement does besides bring savings, right? Contractually, we're mitigating risk. We're making sure that we're getting the best return on our marketing dollars, all that kind of stuff. So just being able to shift the conversation and make sure that we're speaking the marketing language and listening to what their needs are and what their goals are and making sure we're aligning with that. It's not necessarily that we're not, we're moving away from our objectives of savings targets and things like that, but we're aligning that with them so that we can have that true partnership. Yeah. We always use return on impressions. That's that's from a marketer speak versus return on investment is what you're typically say on, on the procurement side. Now you mentioned strategic sourcing organization versus procurement. Explain that. I think when you think procurement, and this book talked about it, and you hear procurements evolved so much over the years from when it first got started, it was truly a cost savings initiative. It was how can we make sure that we're cutting costs and things like that. But as procurement has evolved, and I think the marketing space might be a little bit like lagging on that evolution, but we're getting there, but it's evolved into procurement in terms of just cost savings and coming in and buying. I think when I think of procurement, sometimes I think of a buyer and you're going out and you're just buying items. And in the direct space, I think that's a little bit more relevant, but in the indirect space, that's not the, that's not all that you're looking for. You're really looking for the best value for your money and things like that. So it takes more of shifting away from buying. And just when I think procurement, I think just, I think people traditionally think of a buyer shifting that into strategic sourcing. Now you are, so it just, to me, it brings more value to the word, but it also brings more depth to it. We're not just buying something we're going out and sourcing and we're strategically doing that. And strategically, meaning we're not just our procurement, looking at what our needs and goals are. We're being strategic about it. And we're strategizing with our marketing team or with our stakeholders to make sure that we're really aligned on what our objectives are and what our needs are coming out of that. So price being one thing, but we talked about before, Dana, you and I talked about KPIs and things like that. There's so much more beyond savings and costs that we can bring to the table. So that's where that strategic sourcing comes into play, in my opinion. And I think that's one of the things that drives me nuts about marketing, they do think they call us all procurement and they don't realize there's like a clear pathway. Procurement, you're actually just buying the stuff. That's how I view it. Then strategic sourcing, you're taking a look at the bigger picture. What are we buying internally? What are we buying externally? Who are we buying it from? How are we, how big of a player are we in the game? And you really got to take that all into effect, right? To say, what's the best category strategy for whatever agencies, media, et cetera. And then thinking about category management 
management? What's the SRM afterwards? What are we going to do? Make sure they don't, like, as we talked before, get the B team. Mark, yeah. Marketers, our little divas love like to say, oh, but I'm going to get the B team. I can't use yeah. their agency. And that's one of the things that I think if you think procurement, yeah, somebody is just buying something. Of course, they're not going to be able to help you with that. But yeah. if you understand the value and kind of why we consider ourselves strategic sourcing and not um, just buyers, there's a huge difference. And I don't know about you, but I think early on in my career, I was like, don't call me procurement. <laughs> <laughs> but, I, but I think now it's just a generic word. When you think about it, you do you roll up to a CPO or the CFO? I've always rolled up to a CFO. I'm not sure if you've had a CPO, but at the end of the day, it is what it is. Yes, we're buying stuff, but... We're trying to do it with a little bit more thought. So don't call us procurement again. Rusty. Exactly. Yep. No, I feel <laughs> just kidding. <laughs> no, but that's, I think it's, it's important because the, the whole point of this is just to try to break bridging the gap. The whole premise of the podcast was Dana yeah. looks at it from strategic sourcing. Cause I'm not going to say the word procurement. <laughs> I'm looking you at can it call us procurement. Market, it's okay. from a marketing and sales perspective. And I, I sit there and go, okay, it's having that understanding because I think at the end of the day, we all have the same ultimate goal and that's to do best for the company that we work for. Now we may have we measure differently and all that. And I think that's actually a conversation too that needs to be discussed is how do you get more alignment between what the measurements are between marketing and your procurement teams, especially when it's marketing procurement. I think they should be aligned a lot more closely. But that does lead us into another question because we were talking about procurement or sourcing's position to ensure like marketers don't get the B team. A lot of times we'll hear, yeah, I can't use their agency at a different brand because we're afraid we're not the bigger amount of spend. We're going to get the B team. And I think my response to them has been, well, that's our job. And you have the same kind of thought pattern, right, about that? Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. I think that's a, there's a lot of different folds to that. Like I've had um, marketers come to me before and say, I just onboarded a vendor and there's it's two months later. And they're like, it's not working out. This relationship is awful. Like how do we take them off of our vendor list? I'm like, no, we just brought them on board. But some of that is not engaging with procurement or strategic sourcing early on and figuring out how I'm not trying to just bring vendors on just to bring them on. I want to build partnerships. So how can we make it not just successful for us, but for that vendor as well? And I think all of that comes to really defining that relationship upfront. And there's a lot of ways to be able to do that. One, we talked about key performance indicators, service level agreements, all those things, making sure that when we start that engagement, I'm asking my marketers, I'm saying, what is a successful engagement look like for this? What is a good outcome? What would you be happy with at the end of the day? And how are you going to measure that? And I'm saying, okay, let's make sure that we're one communicating that to the vendor supplier, whatever, you know, however we want to call that. But then also we're putting it in writing because it's one thing to have a conversation and agree up front and have some emails about it. But we know people change companies all day long and different, our memories are short. So let's make sure that we not just not to be, you know, stingy or stringent, but let's make sure we have it in writing and we build out key performance indicators and on both sides, what are your deliverables, but then also what does this vendor need from us to be able to be successful, to be able to get things done in a timely manner? Let's agree on that upfront and make sure that we're adhering to it. But in terms of that B team, I think the key performance indicators are big, but also being able to build out year-end reviews. Yes, you may be a small fish in a big pond for an agency, but you're still paying them and you still need to get the value out of your dollars and you still are a 
a client of theirs and you still need to be able to, doesn't matter if you're small or big um, for them, you still need to be able to get what you're paying for. So I think some of these things up front, like KPIs, building in year-end reviews is really important. That's something I found, especially with our bigger vendors, but smaller vendors as well. Hey, let's agree to meet maybe annually or biannually and come together and do a review together. And that's not one way. That's both sides as procurement. This is where some value add comes in for us. Strategic sourcing is, hey, let me manage that. You guys have the day-to-day relationship. It can be a little awkward and a little sticky to grade each other and, and put each other on a scorecard. Let me manage that. I'll be an outside perspective looking in. I can send out anonymous year-end review scorecards where you guys can really give true feedback. I'll compile them. I'll bring them together. And then we'll have a constructive conversation at the end of the year to say, hey, this is what went well. This is what didn't go so well. Do good, do different and stay the same type review. And let's come together and agree on that. So I think to answer long way to answer your question is really aligning on what does a successful relationship look like and how do you keep those vendors accountable for what we agreed upon, small or big um, client of theirs, just to make sure we're getting that value. Do you think that really pulls upon like more of the strategic sourcing aspect of what we do? So when you think about direct sourcing, that's huge, right? You need to, if you're you're doing direct procurement, you really need to make sure that your partners, you guys are aligned, simpatico, right? You got to make sure there the quality is there. If you're producing a widget, you got to make sure it's this marketing. I don't think they think of it in those terms or most people don't think of because there's not like quality of output, right? It's not, you're not producing a widget. It's nothing tangible. And I think having that experience and knowing, hey, you can take something from tangible to intangible and still track and measure. And like you said, what is your goal? What does good look like? We need to know so that we know at the end of the engagement, did we pick the right people? But I think having that strategic sourcing pull through to marketing, although it's a little bit different, I think it's a key difference that really can help them get what they need the most out of the marketing marketers and from the agencies. Yeah, absolutely. And I think that's one thing I've learned about this marketing space as well as specifications. When you talk about a statement of work and building out scope, they're not fixed. They're fluid. They're variable. They're changing. At the end of the day, it's not apples to apples. Like we always, we love to use apples to apples. It's not like you may say, Hey, I want this email campaign gone out and I need content for it. There's so many different components that can go into it that make it non apples to apples. It makes it really hard to compare and even calculate savings or cost avoidance or anything like that, because it's, it can vary so much. And maybe somebody's cost is higher, but if they're being able to add additional value and create creativeness to, and they're actually being, they're bringing that kind of that strategy to the table versus saying, Hey, you as our client, tell us what you need. We'll just go do it. They're more not yes, man, yes, woman. They're more being strategic and building that out. It's hard to measure and it's hard to really come up with a true spec. So a lot of times I tell my marketing colleagues, I'm like, Hey, we're going to spend most of the time of this project at the front end, defining what we want and defining the scope. And it may seem tedious, but longer term, it's going to give us a better output. And we're going to be working more on the front end to not have to work, fix things on the latter end. Yeah, I think that's the smart approach to it is more time you invest up front, prep planning, it yep. accelerates the back end so much easier. I'm going to ask some questions for folks in marketing and sales. How do suppliers break through? With MarTech specifically, there are so many products out there. Mm-hmm. I would hate to be in y'all's shoes with the inbound number of solicitations, emails, phone calls, social media, messaging, all the things that are happening. What separates the people that are breaking through versus the ones that aren't? 
y'all I now you guys know I live in North Carolina now I think the first <laughs> time I've used y'all but you guys this hey, is I use all the time that's my go to I'm Texas I just I don't know it's different but I, I enjoy it's easier why would you say you guys or you all when you y'all okay it's totally. much, it's much more efficient okay but that's that's a huge thing for me lately is I don't know if somebody like leaked my Syngenta email but I have been getting so many messages from vendors saying personal hey Kaylee this that another and I I can feel for them. So I I respond. And so I'm really hoping that with this podcast, I'm not now getting even more people coming in and saying, oh my God, use this. But I appreciate the reach out and I categorize and folder it, but it it is tough. And I, I, that's why I empathize a lot with suppliers because it's, there's a lot of them out there and there's a lot of different things going on. And to be able to earn that business and be able to even get a foot in the door, I feel like can sometimes be a challenge. I've never been on that side of the house, thankfully, but I can see how it would be for them. So I can totally understand and empathize with that. I think a lot of it is, you know, them putting themselves out there and doing the reach out. Don't nag. If I don't respond to you, it's okay to follow, but do not put you like, forget it. (laughs) That's so annoying. (laughs) Asking, Hey, what do you consider spam? So let's talk about the frequency. Uh, When somebody emails you and it says Paula, I got one of those the other day. And I was like, (laughs) who's Paula? When they get your name, like completely wrong. Oh man. He's coming from a CRM system. Yeah. And it's just, just copy and paste. Those automatically just go delete. For me, it's somebody who does their homework. If you take the time, the 20 minutes and research my industry, research who I am, what I'm doing, and you can bring something to the table. To me, those are the people I typically respond to at least where they're like, Hey, I saw your blog or Hey, I you know saw this. And I think it might actually work because X, Y, and Z, we have this product and it might work at your business because of, and yes. if they don't bring that, if they're just like, I have this and I'm selling like, yeah, okay. But what's, what differentiates you, right? What's your value prop? Like, why do I care? Why do I want to talk to you? What do you bring into the table? And I think the people who do their homework from the sales side, really that it may take more time up front, but it pays off in the long term because those are at least the people I typically will respond to, even if I don't want to talk to them, if they have something funny or you know yeah. something interesting, those are the people who I'll respond to from this you know sales perspective. Yeah. yeah and I think keeping that's huge, personalizing it, making sure you're doing your homework and you're not just because I've had people reach out before. I'm like, that's not even relevant to what we would be. It just doesn't fit. But also keeping the initial outreach short and sweet. I I will read your email, but I don't have time to read all the bullets and hear all the things, but just like you said, personalize it. My preference honestly is 10 minute call. Like I don't, we don't need a full half hour. Like just have a quick discussion because I think some of it too, you see a vendor's name, you go Google them and you're like, okay, what do you do? Like your website is so broad and I still don't know what you do. Like I, that's about my hardest thing. I feel like about strategic sourcing is identifying vendors and what they actually do. I wish they were just bulleted out. Like specifically we do X, Y, and Z, but well, and sometimes they do multiple things, right? Oh, I exactly. mean, so you don't, you're like, what portion of the business are you coming from that? You're trying to pitch me. Well, and I get it. It's like a resume, right? You're not just going to say I saved X amount of dollars. You're going to, I efficiently strategically, blah, blah, blah. I get it. I understand that, but it makes it really, maybe I'm just more simple-minded. And I don't know if you see it in your industry, but in pharmaceuticals, anytime we have somebody who has past experience, like in a disease state or past experience in pharma, that's huge. What can you do for us? So I think just the initial outreach saying, Hey, let's hop on a quick call, 10, 15 minutes, initial preliminary I'm, I'm here for that. I'm all about it. But if I've got to do my own digging and research and read through a, a page where I, I just, I can't. 
it makes sense because there is a lot of noise out there. And the problem is from a marketer's perspective, we overcomplicate the process. We try to make it sound fancier or sexier than it really needs to. And really it's just, hey, this is what we do. Yeah. This is the problem it solves. If it fits, let's engage and try to make that a little bit easier. How do you help solve problems for people that are in your shoe that are getting all this noise? Because at the end of the day, you're there to try to sift through for marketing. Mm-hmm. What are the tools that we really need? Because you may find, hey, we got to find an ABM supplier. Yep. You're not out there publishing it. They need to know regulations, things of that sort. So I've actually had a conversation and it took me two years with a supplier who said, I have X brand hemophilia. Let's talk. And we talked and he went through RFPs and RFPs. And finally, two years later, he won the business. But it was him saying, listen, we have hemophilia experience. We're no longer on that. So there's no competition issue. But we really still enjoy this disease. They think we can help you guys would love to be a part of it. That to me was like, okay, let's do this. I want to talk to you. I don't, it's not just, hey, I can help you with marketing. Okay, great. But (laughs) I'll tell people, send me stuff ahead of time. Send me your packet of overview or whatever you can, a capabilities presentation and where you guys have experience and where you think you'd want to fit in and talk to, right? That That's my other issue. Okay. If you don't have brand experience with what we have, then where do you think you would fit in? Where do you think, who do you want to talk to? You want to talk to somebody, but who do you want to talk to? We, our brands are so different. Yeah. Do you see that too? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And I think being able to, you know, connect them with the right, cause I'm procurement. Yes. I, I have an understanding of what we're looking for in our needs, but at the end of the day, the marketers are going to be the ones who really know. So if I can at least have a ongoing list, or maybe I have a brief conversation with a vendor and I say, you know what, this could be a good fit. I know when their team meetings are, let me run it by them and see if it would be good. I want to connect them with the marketers to really get a feel for, can the, does their spec, does their scope of what they can do? Does it, would it fit with what we're doing? And then let's have a further conversation. So when you break down the whole marketing category, we all know it's a big, complicated, wide ranging category with new products pretty much being added every day. So at what point, uh, Kaylee, do you see it becoming too expansive where certain services like data and digital start falling outside of the marketing procurement function and start creating their own procurement category? I think one thing I've noticed just um, in my different roles is I talked about at the beginning, relationships are the biggest thing and being able to really build that relationship and partnership with marketing. Well, one thing I've also, it's a double-edged sword because as you build that relationship and you get to know all the different marketers and things like that, and you do build that trust and you've had some success on projects and like, hey, let's use procurement. It's okay. Now we're actually, there's a lot coming. Like you said, there's a lot of different things within marketing procurement that range from complexity and different things like that. Like, how do you manage that? And for me, I personally see it as a way for us as procurement individuals to be able to talk to our leadership and say, Hey, now we're getting more, the relationships built. We have more scope. We have more people coming to us. This is awesome. We can't manage it all. Just if it's one of us or two of us, we need to be able to build out. We need to be able to support them at the pace that they're coming to us. And I think that's really key in being able to build out a marketing procurement team. If it gets to that point is really crucial because you don't want to build those relationships, have some success and then get overwhelmed and not be able to still support and then lose that trust over time. So I think it's being able to communicate efficiently with your leadership in procurement and say, Hey, here's some wins. Here's some good things going on. But my bandwidth, my everything is shrink. Like I don't have as much time anymore to do all the things. 
So I either need to prioritize and you need to let me know what I need to push back and not take, or we need to grow. And I think we need to grow with the relationship, if that makes sense. hundred percent. And as we start to wind down the podcast, one question for you. Yeah. What drives you crazy? From marketing? Are you asking her what drives her crazy from marketing? Yeah, I guess I should probably distinguish that from a marketing or procurement standpoint, not just like personal or anything like that. Just like, <laughs> I, was like, <laughs> I was like, it's gloomy outside. That kind of drives me crazy. But what, tri- ooh, that is a good question. I think like anytime I've started a new role, what at the beginning drives me, not I wouldn't say crazy, but is hurdle to overcome is that whole perception of procurement and not wanting, I fear a lot of times you feel like an outcast. You feel like, the be- like you said earlier, I pull it PC, probably not the best thing to say, good cop, bad cop, but you Let's do just have- call it what it is. You're a bad cop. Exactly. That's- My dad's a cop. It's all good. The bad cop. And that's really how you feel. And it's, it does at the beginning, it gets a little bit exhausting to go out and build those relationships. But I think that is long-term what's going to make things fruitful and successful. But I think it, it does get tiring hearing. And the book I mentioned, you see blog posts all the time about, sorry about that, but all the time about procurement and not wanting to work with procurement. And it, it does get, it makes you feel like, oh shoot, nobody likes procurement, but I think we have an opportunity to really build up and change. And like I said, procurement's evolving over time. It's not been around that long. And even strategic sourcing is getting, it's more and more evolving every day. So let's continue to build up that and change the perspective. And that's the whole reason for this podcast, right? Let's close the gap and change that perspective of what procurement is and that bad relationship between the two. And let's get rid of that because that that can be exhausting. Yeah, because when it works, I imagine it's fantastic. It's it's magic, right? I mean, you it get, it's the synergy and everybody's aligned, shared common goals, like cooking I mean, with the gas. Mar- the marketers have so much to deal with on a day-to-day in terms of working with the agencies and working with the suppliers and really doing their go-to-market strategy and building out and doing their roles. I can't imagine having to deal with managing those relationships and figuring out, are we competitive price-wise and all that kind of stuff. It just makes sense to be able to have a counterpart, to be able to go out and manage that for you. But to getting to that point is, is sometimes a bit of a hurdle, but yes, like you said, once you get there, it is, it's beautiful. It's great. It's everything works good. Your roles, you know, how you're the value that you're bringing towards every relationship and everyone understands that. And it, it's, it's a, like a well-oiled machine. It just works really well. And Dana, what drives you crazy? Yeah, I I can mirror the sentiment that Kaylee has about them thinking, you don't know our business. You don't understand what we're doing and you don't understand the price doesn't matter. It's quality, it's creative, it's this. And I think a lot of the time I've been doing it for 10 years. I'm like, I really do understand what you're doing. I've written your RFPs for you. And so I do understand. So it is a little bit aggravating, I would say at times, but What really drives me crazy um, when people come to me way too late in the process. Hey, by the way, we've got this deal with, and can you guys, can you help us? We're trying to get the the price down a bit. Can you just go back and negotiate? Like, where were you six months ago (laughs) when we could have helped you and could have gotten so much more done to show up late in the process? I'm, I'm not really doing you a big service, especially if you have like already half negotiated contract. Like that's the other value. That's doing that. So when people come in way too late, just being like, Hey, could you just negotiate this? Yes. It's just irritating because it creates so much more work on the back end for us than it does. I think if you just include us and keep us in the loop. And that probably doesn't really help with the perception that procurement is the bad cop or that you're slowing down the process because well, all of a sudden you find yourself in this unfair situation that marketing puts you in. 
And you become the bottleneck, but it's like, you didn't have to be the bottleneck, but now we're trying to play catch up. Now we didn't have the ability to put that into our, we've got a bunch of projects we're working on. We didn't have time to put that into our pipeline. So now it's putting a bottleneck in our pipeline, but we're looking like the bottleneck. And it's, if you had engaged us from the beginning, we wouldn't be playing catch up. We wouldn't be having to realign other things to try to make you hit your targets and your deadlines, but just let's talk from the beginning. And I think that's being able to be integrated with the marketing teams, being able to be in there, whether it's a monthly call or a team connect every quarter, whatever it might be, being able to be at a seat at those tables and engaged up front, I think has been key in anything because yeah, maybe a lot of those meetings, I'm just sitting in and I'm just a fly on the wall, but I am listening and I'm hearing what's going well what needs they have that need to be accomplished. And I can pipe in and say, Hey, have you guys considered this? But also I'm just, I'm there at the beginning. So I think one of the biggest things we can do is just try to be as integrated as possible and in as many meetings as they have. So we're not playing catch up down the line. That's been a game changer for me the past years, just being at the seat at the table, really. So it seems that marketing really needs to kind of change the culture a little bit to get procurement really more aligned with them internally. And whereas from the top down, marketing procurement is a ally of ours. They are indirect function of our team. They are here to help us get better, create better processes and improve existing relationships, find new ones. And we need to extend the same courtesy that we would any of other marketing or sales colleagues, if we really want them to be able to provide, provide the value that we need. And when that happens, it just needs to happen from day one. Yes, but it's two ways. I think that it, I think the onus initially up front is for us procurement. We need to show our value. We need to build that trust and rapport because not everyone has, some people have more of that direct procurement, go out, cut costs, all that kind of stuff mindset. We need to show them, Hey, we are different. We, this is how we're thinking. So it's on, in my opinion, it's on us to start to build that trust and rapport. But then yes, at some point marketing needs to outreach their hand back out and say, Hey, let's, let's partner. You know what you're talking about. I really appreciate this, but you can't effectively do your job if you're on the outskirts trying to just keep in every once in a while. And you know that actually, I wish when you had asked that question, I wish I had thought about it sooner. My biggest pet peeve is actually, I think as I'm, and I'm still trying to figure out what the solution to this is, but it's upper managed, it's leadership in those end, not leaders, now I'm going to get fired, but it's, it's being able to align. And this isn't just Syngenta. This is like all across the board, align on what those priorities and those goals are, because at the end of the day, we're all butting heads over different year end goals and really being able to come to the table and align that. And I think that falls a lot on us too, as, as on the ground workers is just being able to say, Hey, show them like, Hey, this is what let's readjust some of these uh, priorities and make sure that we're actually fitting into. And it it comes down to us being able to figure out what marketing's goals are. Every organization's a bit different. How are they measuring success? And then being able to communicate that to our leadership to make sure that from a tops down, we are aligned, but then from a bottoms up, we're communicating. So I think it goes both ways, being able to build out to make sure that we are moving in the same direction. Cause it does drive me a bit crazy when you're partnering, but then you're like, Oh wait, maybe I'm missing my objectives. So just making sure some of those objectives are in line. Well, I appreciate it. This has been really good. I think we've covered a lot of great elements of the marketing procurement world. I should just say MarPro because that's really mm-hmm. what it is. And being the very first guest, we really appreciate you taking time coming on. We learned a lot. We talked about traditional media versus digital. What stands out in the sales when people are trying to get the attention of a marketing procurement buyer? 
what to do, what not to do. How do they distinguish themselves? And the alignment between marketing and sales, hopefully this podcast will be a big step towards helping to bridge the gap where we can have a lot more collaborative and open conversations between both groups. Because at the end of the day, success is what matters. If one group is successful, the other group should benefit from that as well. So thank you for coming on. Dane, anything else that uh, you want to throw out there before we wrap it up? No, thanks. I just want to say thanks to Kaylee for being such a great animated person on our first podcast and being our little guinea pig. We really appreciate your uh, flexibility. No worries. I'm I'm always excited. I, this is my career. So I'm passionate, excited to talk about and continue to build and grow and understand. So I appreciate you guys taking the time. I've learned a lot as well, just in pre-conversations and during this about the space. And I think it's important to always continue to learn and grow as well. So thank you guys for the time and for inviting me on. It's been great. Absolutely. And is there any other topics that you think that would be relevant for us to be able to dig into with one of our future guests? Got it. No, that's great. I think continuing the conversation about the relationship building and alignment is huge. And for me, what I'm still trying to understand and wrap my head around more is what does that alignment look? How do we measure? And when you start to get more aligned and and work more towards with the marketing, it's like how how do you measure savings? How do you put a value to that? Because it's not always apples to apples. So I just think being able to keep getting nitty gritty on the how to's and what the outcome is and how to actually measure the output of what we're doing and how we're driving, you know, value beyond savings is big, but how do you, at the end of the day, you still got to measure it. So how are you measuring it? I'll tune in. I would love to keep learning and figuring it out. And I'm still exploring that space. So I think that would be a great place to dive into more. That's great. That's an area that we'll definitely be exploring. So we appreciate it. Looking forward to definitely staying in touch. And thanks again for being the very first guest here on Marco Project. Thanks for having me. Thanks, guys.